Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This week on the Chicago Bears Review... After a disappointing loss to Buffalo in the opener, our beloved travel out west to take on the San Francisco 49ers and christen the brand new Levi Stadium on Sunday night football. Can the Bears get back on track, or will it be another nightmare visit to San Francisco? All of this and so much more on the Week 2 Preview episode of the Chicago Bears Review. With week one going the exact opposite of the way that we as Bear fans thought it was going to go, it is all that much more important for the Bears to steal a win in San Francisco in week two. What's going on, everybody? Larry D. back the week two preview episode of the Chicago Bears review. And like I said, it was the opposite uh, result that we were expecting with the the Bills, the, the six and ten Buffalo Bills coming in uh, to Soldier Field, the uh, the Bears with our offense and a a, a thought to be improved defense. Uh, we thought this was uh, stealing candy from a baby and uh, couldn't get that lollipop out of that little bastard's hand because uh, we could not steal the candy and uh, the the candy got stolen from us as the Bears dropped it in overtime uh, to the Bills. Um, you know, when the schedule came out, the way that I predicted it then, the way I predicted it when in the picks that stick show a couple weeks ago, the way you're kind of predicting it now was the Bears would win at home week one against Buffalo, then travel out to San Francisco where the Bears have a history of being destroyed. As a matter of fact, I was just looking at some recent history between the two teams. Uh, our last few trips out to San Francisco – uh, in 03, we lost 49-7. to Remember, that was the season opener uh, back in 2003 with the great Cordell Stewart at quarterback for us. Uh, then in 2009, which gave birth to the most famous episode in Chicago Bear Review history, my 22-minute, uh, uh, there was some vulgarity in there. I was very upset after we lost that game. It was a Thursday night game. Against the 49ers, Jay Cutler threw five interceptions in that game, the last play of the game. Everyone knew he was going to throw it to Greg Olson. There were three guys in the area. He threw it there anyway, got it picked off, uh, and we still could have won the game. As badly as we played on offense uh, and everything, we still could have won that game, but instead Jay throws five picks in the game, and that's why we didn't win. And then, of course, our last visit out to San Francisco in 2012 the uh, the debut of Colin Kaepernick, and of course we made him a legend in one night as he diced up the Bears' uh, top five defense uh, at the tune of thirty-two to seven. So 
Uh, I read some time ago, probably back then in 2012, how the average score for the Bears in San Francisco since 87 when this horrible San Francisco losing streak began was was somewhere in the area of like 32 to 10 or something like that. Like every time we went out there, not only did we lose, but we got destroyed in the process. So, uh, I mean, I remember vividly back in 91, uh, in 91, the Bears are traveling out to San Francisco the last Monday of the, the last Monday Night Football game of the season. If they win, we clinch the division, we get a bye week, and, and Detroit has to play uh, a wild card weekend. And the 49ers were, had a down year in 91. They were not going to make the playoffs. Uh, Joe Montana had, was still trying to come back from that elbow injury he suffered in the, the 1990 championship game against the Giants where Leonard Marshall twisted him 90 degrees the wrong way uh, and everything. And, you know, you'd think that the Bears would go out there and, and dominate and take care of business and win the division. Instead, we lost that game like 41-10. to 10. And I'll never forget, we had a goal line. We had the ball at the goal line. Um we're about to run it in. Somebody comes in and clips out the legs of the running back. I don't remember who it was, but he actually does a like a like a cartwheel flip sideways, fumbles the ball, and the San Francisco runs it back ninety something yards for a touchdown. They murdered us that day, and instead we had to take on. We had to play wild card weekend and played this uh, up and coming Cowboys team uh, a year before they went to win, went on to win back to back championships instead of being able to take a week off and rest and play in the divisional round. So, um, yeah, it's it's always been ugly when we go out to San Francisco. They didn't kill us in 09. We killed ourselves and played as horribly as we possibly could have and still could have won that game. So, but it was uh, – that's what it's like. That's why you, you kind of get, you know, nightmares thinking about having to go out to San Francisco again. The thing is, though – it's not Candlestick Park anymore. So maybe the stigma was that stupid stadium. Playing football on a baseball diamond and things like that, that's all over with now because the 49ers, they're not even in San Francisco anymore. They're in Santa Clara, a nearby suburb. So this is a whole new ground, a whole brand new stadium. But um, it's still the 49ers. On paper, they're a better team. And we still have to go on the road and beat them on national television. So it's going to be a challenge no matter what we do and no matter how the scenario lays itself out. So we're going to talk about that here in the preview in just a moment. We'll cover all the injury uh, injury news and any other tidbits that I can dig up here while I'm scrolling the web as I do the show. But one quick announcement. Uh, I'm very proud of this. Uh, a listener of our show here at the Chicago Bears Review, a gentleman named Doug Wagner, is actually an on-air personality for WMT AM 600 in Cedar Rapids, has graciously asked me to be a guest on his show uh, this coming Friday, as in tomorrow, uh, to talk about the Bears and the 49er game uh, to go into it. So I, I know that almost none of you, if any of you, are from Cedar Rapids or any of the outlying areas, um, but you can hear it. You can hear it live, actually. It'll be at, uh, on the uh, iHeartRadio app. you got to love technology. You absolutely got to love it because it's allowing my family back home in Chicago to be able to uh, listen to this uh, with me. It's, uh, you go onto the iHeartRadio app, and when you search for a station, 
you type uh, when I typed it, I just typed in the call letters WMT, and it came right up for me. So you go ahead, you hook up, uh, you add it to your favorites, and dial it up at uh, 10:38 a.m. Central Time uh, tomorrow morning, Friday, the September the 12th. And uh, he, we've already also already talked about me being back on Monday after the game to talk about the aftermath. Uh, you know, will we be surprised that the Bears won or will we be surprised that the Bears made it out alive? That's going to be the big question uh, on Monday. So if anyone's wanting to hear me on the radio live, here's your big chance uh, as I'll be a guest on uh, on Doug's show uh, tomorrow morning and then again on Monday talking about bears and 49ers and hopefully we can turn this into a regular thing you guys will always be able to find me uh somewhere out there so uh that's the big news we're going to be uh i am going to be on the radio with doug wagner uh tomorrow morning 10 38 a.m central time i uh, don't know how that's going to translate for my uh for my aussie friends or my uh for all you limeys out there in the uh in the uk that uh listen to the show but um you know, I say that lovingly, right? Uh, for you guys to be able to, to listen uh, listen on. But uh, I'm also going to see if I can, uh, if they'll let me record it so that I can post it on the on the podcast itself. So I'll see what I can do about giving making it available for you guys uh, either way. So uh, anyway, that's uh, going to do it for my opening spiel. I went on a little bit longer, but then again, I get kind of emotional when I talk about the Bears and the 49ers because it's never been a pretty picture uh, for us out there, has it? So what do you say we go ahead and dive a little bit further into this pretty picture and talk about this game and the preview, the Bears and the 49ers on Sunday Night Football. So can we do it? Can the Bears beat the 49ers in San Francisco on Sunday night? Hell yeah, we can. We absolutely can do it. Uh, we are good enough. It is actually humanly possible for the Bears to win a game in San Francisco against this roster. Um, they are vulnerable in spots. They absolutely are. They gave up over 120 yards rushing last week to the uh, Dallas Cowboys. And if it weren't for Tony Romo's many turnovers last week, I think the game might have actually been a lot closer than it was. Uh, the 49ers jumped out to a huge lead uh, on the on the uh, Cowboys last week. Uh, they had a, a, a DeMarco Murray fumble that they ran in for a touchdown from about 35 yards out, and they turned another Tony Romo. Uh, they turned three turnovers into three touchdowns, and they scored all 28 of their points before halftime they actually the Cowboys shut them out in the second half so um, you know it was a lot more a lot closer of a game and would have been a lot closer of a game if not for the turnovers uh, for the Cowboys so it almost reads kind of like the Bears uh, and the Bills only no one expected the Cowboys to beat the 49ers but the game would have been much closer for the Cowboys had it not been for the turnovers uh, I was actually looking at the uh, the play-by-play, because I didn't w- get to see much of the game uh, on Sunday. I-, I was kind of channel surfing my one week of NFL Sunday ticket that I had and um, was actually more interested in the Carolina-Tampa Bay ba- game than I was Dallas and San Francisco. But every time I switched back in the first quarter, San Francisco had put another touchdown on the board. 
And when I went back and looked at the play-by-play, the first touchdown was a fumble return for the touchdown. Um, you know, Murray fumbles it. The 49ers take it back in. Uh, the There was only one true drive in the whole thing for the 49ers where they actually drove the field in for a touchdown. And then the second one interception, they took it back to like the the – the, it was inside the five-yard line. It was either the two or the four-yard line, and the 49ers won play later in the end zone for a touchdown, uh, a touchdown pass to um, Vernon Davis from uh, Kaepernick. And then after another Tony Romo interception, they actually put together a, a 60-plus-yard drive uh, to score. But all of these points were coming off of turnovers. The 49ers really only had one you know, return a punt, drive the ball down the field, drive uh, against the Cowboys uh, on Sunday. The other three touchdowns came from turnovers in that football game. Four, four and all for the Cowboys. Gener- or f- yeah, four turnovers for the Cowboys generated 21 points for the 49ers uh, on Sunday. So they are uh, they are vulnerable against the run. When I was looking at the uh, the play by play. DeMarco Murray for seven, DeMarco Murray for four, DeMarco Murray for this much, DeMarco Murray for that much, uh, you know, in the uh, in the football game. It was, um, you know, interesting to to see. And, you know, the 49ers are missing Navarro Bowman right now because of he's still recovering from the injury that he suffered in the NFC Championship game. He's on the pup list. He won't be playing at least for the first six games of the year. Um Alden Smith, their their big time pass rusher right now, he's serving us a, a nine game suspension for the uh, for the problems that he was getting himself into during the off season with uh, with PED like four games for PEDs and like five games for basically being an idiot for going into the airport and saying something about having a a bomb or something like you don't do that, especially in post nine eleven society you you can't do that it you just you just can't do it but uh you know missing him and throughout the course of the football game the uh, the 49ers secondary was dropping like flies three out of the four starters left the game with some kind of injury with uh with concussion issues uh things of that nature uh now they all might be you know if they pass protocol the the nfl's new concussion protocol they'll play on sunday against the bears but you'd have to think that, uh, you know, with how cautious and uh, how aware the NFL has been with uh, head injuries since all of this, you know, since all of these old retired players are coming down with, with CTE and things like that, uh, you'd have to think that especially guys coming off of head injuries from the week before would be on a short leash uh, if they showed any kind of symptoms the week after. So, um you know, the which speaks well to our uh, strengths because they don't have their number one pass rusher and their secondary might be a, a piecemeal secondary. We might, uh, you know, out of the three guys that get hurt, maybe one, maybe only two of them play again this week. We attack that secondary with our passing game uh, and so on. So this is a good time to be catching uh, the 49ers uh, right now. And also we're coming off this stupid loss uh, that we had uh, to the Bills, I'm, I'm hoping that we go into San Francisco pissed because we should not have lost this game. We should be an angry football team that knows it's much better than what it portrayed in that ball game against the Bills uh, on Sunday. So that's how I would like to see, you know, maybe a little attitude, a little swagger 
uh, from this team, especially on the defensive side of the football. You really didn't really get much of an emotion from that team uh, on Sunday. Not a whole lot of, uh, you know, attitude or swag from the team uh, on, on, on Sunday against the Bills. I was kind of uh, disappointing. But um, sitting here looking at the stats from the San Francisco-Dallas game, you know, most of it was, was due to the fact that he was catching up, but Romo threw for 281 yards uh, on Sunday against the 49ers. DeMarco Murray, 22 carries, 118 yards. So he, got, he gay, uh, gained, I should say, gained 5.4 yards a carry against the 49er defense last Sunday and we have just as good if not better an offensive line than the Cowboys have I believe that wholeheartedly and uh, you know the Cowboys allowed three sacks of Romo this past Sunday and I think we can do better than that and I also think if 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 we don't wait until the third quarter to finally get Matt Forte going that uh, we can do some damage early on in this game against the 49ers. I really do believe that through the running game of all things. I think that we can do that. Uh, you know, cuz like I said, a lot of this, a lot of these passing yards from Romo came in the second half and in the second quarter and the second half when they were already down 21 to 3. They got to start throwing the ball to catch up. But uh, they still did run DeMarco Murray a bit and 22 carries, 118 yards. That's a pretty good day against a very good defense. So I think that Matt Forte is better than DeMarco Murray, and I think that our offensive line is a shade better than the one that's blocking in Dallas. If we call the right plays, I think Matt Forte could have a big game uh, against the 49ers running the ball. And, you know, passing the ball, like I said, they don't have their best pass rusher right now in Alden Smith. They do have Justin Smith, but he's on last leg. He's in his mid to late 30s he's just about done with his time uh in the nfl he's he's better at playing the run than he is uh rushing the passer uh at this point so that's where he's dangerous and um you know in the in the passing game you know des bryant was only four catches 55 yards tyrone williams four catches 50 yards uh and so on so uh, romo spread it around a lot think about like eight different receivers all but one had two catches or more uh, out there. So on on the offensive side for the 49ers, we know what we have to do there. It's Frank Gore, uh, Carlos Hyde, uh, the rookie from uh, Ohio State, and then, of course, Colin Kaepernick. Those, uh, that little three-headed monster there is what we're dealing with on, on that side with them on, on, on offense the run game is they are they are as as Lovey Smith used to like to say, they get off the bus running the ball. That's what they do. And with a quarterback like Kaepernick, what they like to do is the read option because that's what Kaepernick did in Nevada when he was when he was in college, and that's what he's had success with even here in the NFL. Uh, I remember that that uh, playoff game they had against the against the Packers when they went to the Super Bowl in 2012. Colin Kaepernick had like 200 yards rushing uh, against Green Bay, including like a 50-yard touchdown run uh, that put them up big time uh, in the uh, in that football game. So, you know, it's uh, he's dangerous on his feet, way way more dangerous than EJ Manuel. So this week's key on defense is discipline. It is mental, mental more than anything, mental discipline. Because last week against the Bills. When they did run that read option, 
whenever we made a pick as to who go who to go after, the defense always picked wrong. Now the problem with that is whoever's responsibility it was to have the guy that had the ball was never there. So because the way that the read option works, the way that the, the that option, I mean, this is one on one football stuff here. Somebody has the running back. Somebody has the quarterback. Generally, when you run an option, there's a fullback involved. But in this case, there isn't one. But, you know, because they run out a lot of the stuff out of that pistol formation where, in their, where they're in the shotgun and then there's a running back behind the quarterback. They run a lot of this stuff out of shotgun or out of the pistol uh, formation. You, somebody has to have the running back. Somebody's got the quarterback. So if you go after the running back and he doesn't have the ball, whoever's responsibility it was to have the quarterback should still have the quarterback. He shouldn't have bid on the fake as well because that's not your job. You don't do that. You stick with your guy. And the reason you stick with your guy is because somebody else has the other guy. It's somebody else's job to have him. And that's what we need to do on Sunday against this offense. Whenever they run that read option is to be disciplined in your assignment. What we had on Sunday were guys jumping gaps and being somewhere where they're not supposed to be. Uh, that big run from Anthony Dixon right before halftime uh, for the Bills, a key example of that happening because Lance Briggs admitted to the media he was out of place. He was not where he was supposed to be because he was trying to be somewhere else to make a play, and 47 yards later, Anthony Dixon is down the field. So if we do that against the 49ers, they are going to kill us. They're, they're not going to make it interesting, and it's going to be tight at the end because the Bills aren't a good, as good a football team as the Bears. They're just not. They aren't. When, when the season ends, the Bears are going to be in a much better place than the Bills are going to be. I guarantee it. The 49ers, on the other hand, they are as good, if not better, than the Bears and are capable of manhandling us if we do not play in this game as disciplined as we need to be uh, going forward so that's that's the main key especially in the running game is to maintain discipline in your assignments especially when they're running that read option if Kaepernick is handing it off to Frank Gore whoever has Frank Gore goes with Gore and stays with him and whoever has Kaepernick go and stay with Kaepernick you don't give up and like oh uh, he obviously gave that to Gore I'm gonna run after him oh crap there goes Colin Kaepernick for 40 yards and a touchdown we can't have things like that happening on Sunday because this thing could get out of hand early and it can get out of hand very early just like it did with with Dallas we saw what happened there they jumped out to that huge lead and uh, Dallas couldn't catch up so I mean the final score you know, ended up only being an 11-point victory for the 49ers. But, uh, you know, 21-3 to was the score after the end of, uh, at the end of uh, one quarter uh, of football. And it was 28-3 to at halftime uh, in that ballgame. The, the, the Cowboys ended up scoring their 14 points late in the third quarter and late in the fourth quarter. So... Basically, it was a 28-10 to 10 game with a garbage touchdown thrown in at the end to make it look a bit more interesting than it was. In the passing game for the 49ers, 
Uh, Kaepernick was very efficient last week, uh, 16 of 23, so they only attempted 23 passes, ironically the same amount of passes that E.J. Manuel attempted against the Bears uh, on Sunday. Uh, he had 201 touchdowns, 201 touchdowns, 201 yards with two touchdowns, no picks. He was sacked once with a quarterback rating of 125.5, so he had a fairly efficient uh, afternoon. However, one promising thing uh, was he ran the ball five times for only 11 yards uh, against the Cowboys. But Frank Gore had 16 carries for 66 yards, and Carlos Hyde had seven carries for 50 yards uh, against the uh, against the Cowboys and either one of them had like a big 30 yard run the long for either of the two one was 20 the other one was 15 so these guys were still getting their yards in chunks uh, against the Cowboys uh, last week so they're still running the ball fairly well but it also shows that uh, you know they were either doing a straight run formation and just straight ahead running the ball or they didn't run the read option or the Dallas was defending the read option fairly well. So Kaepernick was handing the ball off more so than he was keeping it uh, on Sunday. Then also the fact that he only had five care. He had five carries for only 11 yards shows that Dallas had discipline in their assignments so that someone was waiting for Kaepernick when he held on to the ball. That's the kind of stat that I want to see from Colin Kaepernick running the ball when the bear game is over on Sunday. I don't want Kaepernick to be the reason we lost this game if we lose this game uh, on Sunday. So those are the things that we need to do uh, on the uh, on the running side in the passing game, as I was talking about before. Um, it's it doesn't really matter who we're playing because the problem is always the same, or at least it has been. Uh, in the preseason and, uh, you know, into the regular season, the middle of the field is open. Whether, you know, we're, we're getting like nothing from our linebackers, not really much of any help from our safeties. Uh, and as we kind of talked to talked about in the review episode uh, for the Bills game was, who do we blame for that? Is it a personnel problem? Are these guys making the wrong reads? Are they, you know... Is that what's going on out there? Or is is Mel Tucker putting his players in a bad position? Is he giving them the wrong reads? Is he saying, like, this is your key. When you see this, you do this. If you don't, this is what you do. And somehow we always end up being in the wrong place at the wrong time. All I know is that watching the preseason in the Jaguar, in the hell, even in the Eagles game, to, to start the preseason, the Eagles game, the Jags game, especially in that Seattle game, didn't pay too much attention to the Cleveland game because what for? Um, but any time that, uh, you know, that our opponent needed a first down on third and long, the strategy was to get a drag route down the middle of the field and boom, somebody was wide open with no one in the neighborhood to take him down. It's not like they were making throws and these catches were being made in traffic with safeties and linebackers covering them. These people were, were getting big yak yards, yards after catch, where it's like they catch the ball and then it's five to ten yards before someone is there to stop them. And with guys like Anquan Bolden, with uh, Vernon Davis, and they, you know, they also have, uh, well, hell, they have Brandon Lloyd, they have Michael Crabtree, they have Stevie Johnson. They're a lot deeper in the receiving core than they've been in a while. 
But, you know, Vernon Davis, that's uh, Kaepernick's guy. He threw two touchdown passes to Davis uh, against the Cowboys. And Anquan Bolden is his other favorite target. He was actually the leading receiver in that Dallas game. Eight catches, 99 yards, no touchdowns for him. But Davis had four catches for 44 yards, two touchdowns uh, in that ball game. So, you know, he's uh, that's Ka- Kaepernick's go-to guy in those uh, in those situations. And if if the way that we've been playing and not protecting the middle of the field is any indication, Vernon Davis should be public enemy number one for the Bears on Sunday, because. I know the 49ers have done their homework and have been able to see what's going on there, and Davis will eat us alive. And I think that if we do lose the football game on Sunday, Vernon Davis will be the biggest reason why. That's my thought. It won't be because of Crabtree or Bolden. It will be because we did not stop Vernon Davis, and he had you know, eight catches for 150 yards and he had two, three touchdowns because no matter what we, no matter what happened, Vernon Davis was always wide open and running wide open down the middle of the field uh, and things like that. So that's, that's who our main key, especially in the passing game should be is Vernon Davis uh, on Sunday. So uh, that's who we need to stop on our own side of the football we got to get, like I said earlier, we got to get Forte going earlier in the ballgame. We can't run 12 plays in the first quarter and only two of them be runs. We can't do that. Um, you know, and, and maybe that's because Jay is, uh, is, is checking into passing plays. Uh, he's got a little bit more freedom with the offense being in year two with the same system and uh, earning that trust from, from Tressman. Maybe they have, because uh, what a lot of NFL teams do is they'll call two plays in the huddle, and then the quarterback will come up to the line of scrimmage, see what the formation is, and then bark out which play they're actually going to run kind of thing. And then obviously also they can audible and change the play at the line of scrimmage uh, and so on. So I I would like to think that Trestman called more than two running plays uh, in the first quarter, but they turned out to be passing plays. Uh, Like one in particular I know for a fact was that big 40-yard pass to uh, Alshon Jeffrey the uh, the Bills had stacked the line with eight guys, so Jay checked off of the running play and ran the the pass play and got a forty yard pass to Alshon Jeffrey on that opening drive uh, against the Bills. So, um, you know, we know that he did call at least three running plays uh, in the first quarter uh, of the game. But, uh, you know, Forte looked like he was just getting warmed up towards the end of the game when he's, uh, you know, grinding out these yards, ended up with uh, 82 yards uh, on the ground, 87 through the air. We got to get him going earlier in the game and not wait until the third quarter to remember that we've got an all-pro running back back there uh, along with the, you know, twin towers of wide receivers that we have uh, in the passing game uh, as well. So get Forte more involved early on and um, I I, th- I think I like that more than anything because it does two things it gets our running game going and it shortens the game for us it shortens the game and it also lengthens the amount of time that Colin Kaepernick and that offense are not on the field very and very important to keep the ball out of San Francisco's hands because that's what they do when they run the ball 
they're the ones that are controlling the clock, shortening the game uh, and everything. So we have to come out passing all the time, and the 49ers can pin their ears back and come after us. We want to keep this on a much more even keel where we can mix it up and dictate the pace of the game ourselves. Running the ball, passing the ball, however we want to do it, we want to be the ones in control. So that's going to be very important, and getting the running game going will help us do that uh, more than anything. On the defensive side, I just simply want the team to be more consistent because we were all over the place on Sunday. We had that first drive for the Bills with three and out. You know, they couldn't run in. You know, we, we stuffed a couple of runs. We forced a punt. And then in the second quarter, it was the 2013 defense all over again the swinging gates we can run the ball here they can do this they somebody's always wide open down the field and so on third quarter much better much more under control a lot more stiff and and you know forcing three and outs getting the ball back into the offense's hands where they ended up scoring scoring the points to tie the game back up in the fourth quarter but then you know again in the fourth quarter we were kind of erratic and all over the place and then obviously you know, in the in in the overtime period, the one drive that Buffalo had the ball, they drove the length of the field on us with very little effort. So we need to be more consistent, and we need to be consistently good on Thursday uh, against the 49ers. That's what we want to look for there. So um, that's kind of my my take on the football game. Real quickly, our injury reports. Not a lot of information coming out right now. The only real news coming out as far as Injury is concerned is um, Brandon Marshall uh, hasn't really hasn't practiced yet uh, with that ankle injury that he suffered in that awkward tackle uh, on Sunday. But he's going to test the ankle on Friday. I was watching inside the NFL yesterday. Marshall says he's going to play. So uh, he's going to test the ankle on Friday. He says he's going to play on Sunday. So I would expect Brandon Marshall to be there in his eight years in the NFL. Brandon Marshall has missed a total of five games, so he's the definition of durability. I think he'll be there on uh, on Sunday. Uh, David Fails, our third stringer, still not uh, practicing with the shoulder injury. Tony Fiametta did not practice with the hamstring, and I'm not sure how it went today on Thursday because they haven't updated it yet on the Bears website. And to tell you the truth, I wasn't able to find anything on on Twitter on who practiced and who didn't. So. Garza and uh, Matt Slauson, both with ankle injuries, haven't practiced yet. And Tressman is being very lovey-ish with the information. Like when they asked about uh, Garza's ankle, Tressman's response was, he has one. Really? Actually, he has two, but, you know, that's just me. Uh, you know, um, he he's kind of sticking to the line that I'm not the trainer or the team doctor, so... He's not sharing any information until he gets it from them. Uh, so it's it's very lovey-ish, and to tell you the truth, I'm not a big fan. But it is what it is, and so on and so forth. But uh, Josh Morgan was also limited yesterday with a groin injury, so that's what that is. On the 49ers side, uh, Tremaine Brock and Chris Culliver were the ones that went out with injuries uh, on on Sunday. Uh, Tremaine Brock was a toe injury. He did not practice. Uh, uh, Chris Culliver, I, I read, I saw earlier today on the NFL Network, has been cleared to play on Sunday. But like I said, he's coming off a concussion, so chances are if he shows any kind of symptoms throughout the football game, he'll get yanked right away. 
they're starting tackle Anthony Davis has a hamstring issue. He hasn't practiced. Martin Marcus, the center, has had a knee problem. And Justin Smith uh, missed practice, but it was not injury-related, so we don't have to worry about him missing time uh, on Sunday. So real quickly, just to break things down here real quick, um, the um, it's, it's a big game, big, big game on Sunday against the 49ers, even bigger by the fact that we didn't win against Buffalo like we should have. I mean, to tell you the truth, going into this game, I was there was going to be no pressure on the Bears, in my opinion, because we won the game we were supposed to win. People are expecting us to lose, so if we win, it's all gravy. But now we're in a position after losing a game to a team that we should have beaten handily, quite frankly. Um, now we have now we have to win in San Francisco because the odds of an 0-2 team making the playoffs, let alone the Super Bowl, I think it's only like 11% of the 0-2 for team, teams uh, in history have made the playoffs. And we can't start the year in an 0-2 hole. So it was, it was going to be from there's no pressure on the Bears because they expect us to lose in San Francisco to it being we actually have to win this game now because of the hole we dug for ourselves in Buffalo. So can the Bears do it? Absolutely. With the offense that we have, we have talent on defense. They just have to play play well. We can absolutely do it. So don't be surprised if they do win. Don't be surprised. Uh, honestly, unfortunately, I will be surprised uh, if we win just because you know, again, I believe 100%, and I will be rooting for us to win, but I'm not expecting us to. <laughs> I just, I hate it. I do, I hate being a realist, or, you know, especially when it comes to, to football. I want to be a stone-cold believer and tell everyone to their face, we're going to go out there, and we're going to dominate, and we're going to beat the crap out of San Francisco, we're going to win this game 500-10, to 10, you know, and that 10 points is going to come in the fourth quarter when nobody cares. You know, when nobody in America is watching anymore, we're going to go on national TV and embarrass the 49ers. But <laughs> I just, I know that's probably not true. <laughs> just, oh, God, I want them to win so bad, and I'll be so happy if they do. Absolutely through the roof thrilled if we win this game. And I'll be telling myself, I told you so, if they can come back and, and, and win this game uh, on Sunday. But um, this was a game I had earmarked for a loss at the beginning of the year, and I have no reason to believe any differently, uh, you know, going into it uh, now. So I want the Bears to win. I'm rooting the Bears to win, but I'm not picking the Bears to win. So I don't expect Monday to be a victory episode when we're talking, but I will be happily, happily, happily thrilled to do so if it goes down that way on Sunday night. So. That's going to do it for the preview episode of the Chicago Bears review this game on Sunday night between the Bears and the 49ers. Uh, be sure to check me out tomorrow morning on Doug Wagner's show, AM 600 WMT in Cedar Rapids. You can find it on the, uh, the website for the radio station. Just search uh, WMT AM 600 Cedar Rapids in Google, or you can find it much easier on the iHeartRadio app. 
uh, on uh, on your phones, whether it be Apple, uh, you know, iPhones or Androids. I have an Android. I found it when I typed WMT before I could type in AM600. Boom! It came right up, and I was listening live to to what was going on at the station at that time. So 10:38 a.m. Central Time tomorrow morning, you'll be able to hear me on the show with Doug and Wagner talking about the Bears and the 49ers. And of course, I will be back on Monday to talk about this uh, review of the Bears and the 49ers. How did it go down on Sunday? Am I a happy Bear fan, or am I like, uh, well, yeah? thought that was going to happen when the schedule came out and it wouldn't have happened that way which larry d will you hear on monday morning we'll have to wait and see so until then my name is larry d and this has been the chicago bears review There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. (laughs) I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate, how a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word, Broomgate. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com.